We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Light Years Pod. We are recording this Sunday morning, Sunday, February 14th, day after the Warriors got blown out by the Brooklyn Nets. Happy New Year, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year to me, Jeremy Lin, who should be taking Brad Wanamaker's spot as the backup point guard. At least at least 40% of our listeners who are not real fans per uh, the internet, you know. <laughs> um, it's uh, I, it was Sam, it was unfortunate that I had to watch highlights of last night's game because I wasn't able to watch it. Um, I actually spent yesterday doing Valentine's Day, so but uh, it, w- it was good. I didn't have to watch the Nets Warriors live, um, but uh, but I had to watch what happened um, to the Warriors and Wanamaker and Eric Pasco and the rest of the team after. So Sam, uh, unfortunate, but we've got someone. Uh, I don't know if you watched the game. Better off that he didn't. <laughs> you know, I yeah, we have we have special guest today. Time to introduce him on. Uh, formerly from. The Ringer, Sports Illustrated, and current host of the Goat Pod, Andrew Sharp. Sharp, how you doing, man? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. Um, I don't even want to dwell on last night's game. I don't think there's anyone out there who thinks the Warriors are in that tier of five to six contenders right now. So, like them getting blown out by Bro- like it would have been fun to watch Steph go back and forth with KD, but like ultimately, that's not the tier the Warriors are in this year. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm right there with Andy. I'm glad that we don't have to go in depth on Nets Warriors because I did watch part of it. I watched like the first quarter and a half. Then I left the room. I too was celebrating Valentine's Day on Saturday night, left the room to go say hi to my wife, check in on her and came back. And it was like a 15 point game at halftime. And it, it was competitive early on. 
And then I came back and they had broken the game wide open. I was like, what the hell happened here? And so I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't bother with the second half because I sort of knew how that was going to go. And it's a bummer because I, like there a was a story, but yeah. yeah. And it was intense early on. Like it, it had sort of like playoff vibes and I was like, Whoa, like this could be pretty cool. And then it was basically like a repeat of opening night. So. Yeah. I mean, it's just at some point the talent discrepancy shows its head. Like can the warriors compete with teams with more talent than them? Yes. Can they compete with a team who has two of the five or six best players and like three, you know, three superstars essentially like, um, you know, like not really when the second best warriors, like Andrew Wiggins, like it's just an unrealistic ass. And you know what? Like, I think the, the nets are vulnerable, but they're not vulnerable to the type of team that the warriors have because the warriors don't get a lot of easy buckets at the rim. And if you have someone like bam out bio, put up like 40 against Embiid. the nets defense. Yeah. And bead is going to eat whatever those teams, those two teams play. But when it's Steph and Wiggins and Ubre having to like hit from the perimeter to generate offense, that's the type of game the nets want to play. So it's just a, a crappy matchup for them. The, Steph had his first um, off shooting night from three point range in like a month. Um, but he, even to your point, he was eight for eight on twos, which is yeah. to say like, you get to, you, you get inside 10 feet on this team. You're getting an easy shot. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, we could talk nets too. I'm curious for your thoughts on like where they're going to go, but. No, listen, I just wish they, I just want to see them play more. It's been unfortunate that they've only been able to play what, like six games with, yeah. with the three, with the three. I do think yeah, I, I did find it seven. interesting. I did. I did find it interesting from a Warriors perspective that they uh, that they essentially keep saying or they keep kind of implying that the Harden, KD, Kyrie three is a better offensive trio than the Steph, Clay, and KD trio. Um, and and they, and I think like maybe most casual fans, including Mark Jackson, um, would kind of <laughs> say like, "Hey, the, these are these this three is a three that's you know kind of could be the greatest trio." And I'm just like. That's not true at all. Like, there's no way these guys are a better three than Steph, Clay, and KD, both offensively and, of course, defensively. It doesn't make any sense. I'm curious why. Um, I guess I mean they're they're better and they're better in terms of shot creation and individual skill. They're better. They like you just when you throw in Clay versus Harden or Kyrie, it's they're just completely different players, right? But so is it the players themselves saying that or like? fans and mainstream commentators that don't really pay attention to uh, pay attention to it, it seems like it seems like all of it yeah yesterday when i'm just catching glimpses over it and, and re-watching it, it just felt like oh this three is known as like the as like the greatest three like it could be the greatest three point or not three point the greatest offensive threats of all time to me it feels like a difference between like like what sam said right it's like these guys look are gonna look great on youtube and twitter highlights like yeah. i think for example like the guys like kyrie irving is like the greatest example of this who is just like who is incredible when you watch like three highlights of him and then when you watch him play throughout an entire basketball season you're like oh. it's like why most people think that Kyrie is the best ball handler and, and and finisher in the NBA when he might be the best ball handler but he's not even in Steph's league in terms of a creator and I think that's kind of the differences I'm seeing in a lot of this when it's like man like it kind I mean, of there's a reason it's kind of there's a reason they made Harden the point guard it it, it was it was abundantly <laughs> clear to anyone who'd watched these three players that like, if you're going to have Kyrie dribble in circles, you're not going to maximize the talent of these players. You're phenomenal at creating his own shot. Not so great at creating for others. Yeah. But- it, no, I think that was a big step for them though, because I, I think 
the reason the Warriors are better than the Nets offensively is that like the skills of Clay, KD, and Steph just fit better, and, and you're gonna sort of optimize all three of those guys in a cleaner way than the Nets will. But I think the best case for the Nets is to say, all right, Harden, you're the point guard. You're going to get 14 or 15 assists a game. And Kyrie is going to play off the ball and just attack closeouts from the weak side and go nuts that way. And then KD will sort of get in where he he fits in and just be unbelievable. Uh, I think that formula can work. And I think it's encouraging that the players themselves, because Kyrie came out after the game last night and said, all right, we had a conversation and Harden is the point guard. I thought that might take them like a year and a half to get to right. because God knows like Nash isn't the one making any of the decisions for that team, but it's a good sign that like Kyrie is bought into playing shooting guard. I think that gives the Nets a better shot this season. And I would also say the the argument for the Warriors trio being better is to me more about defense and team ball, like making mm-hmm. the other two players on the court better, not um, trio versus trio. Um, because a just clays in a different league defensively than Kyrie or, or Harden, like no one's going to argue that. Right. And then, uh, B like they've, they've just shown that they can make their ancillary players, whoever it may be, uh, better with the Warriors trio than the Nets to date. Although like last night, you know, uh, Bruce Brown got just whatever he wanted, but like you said, that's because the Warriors had no centers and nothing going on in there. It'll be more interesting like against the Lakers where Anthony Davis and LeBron could theoretically get 50 points each at the rim, you know? Yeah. Well, the last thing on this is that I would say Steph and KD were literally like one, a one B like consensus top three guys when they were playing together. And I don't think Harden or Kyrie is on that level. And KD still is on that level, but that's why I give the edge to the Warriors. It's like you literally had like Kobe and Shaq together for a couple of years in the Bay. And that's, that's not what Brooklyn has. I, I do feel like Harden occasionally can make a case on skill level, but there's just too many mental lapses and big moments for me. Like if, yeah. if it was just talent, Harden, makes a case to be on that level, but it's not just talent. You know, we've seen James Harden in big games way too often not show up. Yeah. That's the tiebreaker. As far as I'm concerned, he's definitely Harden is so talented, but he's just like such a shithead sometimes that I don't know. You have to sort of penalize him a little bit. The next big game performance he has will be the first one. So exactly. (laughs) Um, All right. But well, we're not going all in on the nets. I want to, I want to get, your perspective sharp so like we we love bringing on kind of people who are a little more national who pay attention to the warriors but they're not in the weeds the way andy and i are Mm -hmm. to uh kind of get to to get perspective just from the outside a little bit because uh you know it can get a little uh can get a little dark in warrior land it can get a little deep into the weeds here um so right now the warriors are 14 and 13 20th in offense seventh in defense 12th overall in net rating. Um, when Steph goes off the floor, they are a worse offense than the process 76ers. <laughs> um, when Draymond goes off the floor, the defense goes from top 10 to not top 10. Um, mm. Overall, where are you at with this team? Well, 
the team is about what I was expecting coming into the season where there were going to be some nights where they were really fun and like you sort of recapture the magic. And then there are going to be sort of reality check nights where you look around and you're like, Oh boy, the, the, the cupboard is pretty bare right now. Um, and my biggest takeaway from the season so far, Andy knows this. I, I recorded an episode of greatest of all talk last week. Uh, dedicated to Warriors fans, dedicated to you guys, really, <laughs> because like, uh, it, it, by the way, people can subscribe at greatestofalltalk.com. Um, it's a nice, easy podcast to subscribe to, a couple steps. Uh, but I, I was singling out Warriors fans because my experience is that like every night I sign on Twitter <laughs> and it's because it's not only you guys. I've like followed other people in the Warriors universe because it's unfortunate. They'll say shit about Steph that I really agree with. They'll be like, Steph is one of the 15 greatest players of all time. <laughs> He's like incredibly valuable. He's not properly appreciated. And I'll be like nodding my head and hit the follow button. And now I will sign on Twitter this season, and those people will be like losing their shit being like Kerr needs to go like these rotations are unacceptable. I can't believe Bob Myers is wasting a year of Steph's prime, blah, 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 blah. And I just like, I think everybody should lower the temperature a little bit because the expectations, like as soon as clay went down, I think the expectations for me just changed dramatically where it was like, if Steph can successfully get this team to the playoffs, that's a win. And it's a testament to how great he is. And beyond that, we're unfortunately just going to have to revisit everything next season. So that that's sort of my general sense of things right now. You uh you hit the Warriors Twitter bingo card though. You hit all you hit all the hot button issues. They can run it back <laughs> every day. Like it is it, it is a topic every single. We could do me and Sam do pods after every game, and I think we do the same like four or five things. And it's just new material every game. It's like tonight we go after tonight <laughs> we, we just, can go we're after just praying for Steph going for fifty because then everyone will be in a joyous mood. It's really I know. Yeah. Actually, actually, when people are in a bad mood, that's when the good stuff comes out. You got people yeah. coming on, and we've got people swearing left and right, like just <laughs> expletive, you know, lace tirades for like thirty seconds, just hang up. Um, so, yeah, let me ask you this, Sharp. So you kind of hit it the main thing here. Warrior fans are not dumb. They are aware Steph Curry is one of the 15 or so greatest players of all time and objectively one of the two best, two or three best players in the league right now. They can see how high a level he's playing at. So mm-hmm. there's this feeling of floating in the abyss when you have easily the best player you've ever seen wear a Warriors jersey in your lifetime in the middle of his, actually, to be honest, in the back end of his prime. So it's brought up a lot of bigger questions. And I actually got this, uh, this, someone asked this uh, in the Discord. And I like this question. I want to bring it to you. Who have we learned the most about since 2019? Since KD left, since Clay got injured? Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, the Lakeubs? Because I feel like every, you know, the fan anger is more about the team being stuck in this middle cycle. And every day there's a new person whose fault it is, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Steve Kerr keeping Steph on the bench um, two minutes too long and them lo- losing a game. He's going to catch it that night. But like other nights, it's like, you see just no one on this roster who would break into any of the Warriors rotations, the previous seven years playing big minutes and it's a question of 
how did they get here and are they even good enough to get out of it? Yeah. Well, and that question, I mean, it's tough. I, I think it's hard to say who has been making the decisions in golden state. And, and that's hard for any front office when you look at a team and say, all right, so who's actually calling the shots, but it's like particularly opaque in golden state because it does seem like the Lakers have taken on more of an active role and the Lakers being like the two Lakers kids not joe Lakers himself right um and <laughs> although maybe so just to be here kirk and kent just to be clear our favorite yeah, guys friend of the show exactly well and so and that's probably not a great idea um i mean it hasn't gone well elsewhere along or around the league i think there's like one or two owners kids who have actually done a good job at running a team. I think Mickey Arison's kid in Miami is pretty good, but like, but is he on the player personnel side? I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. And, and and do they have like real decisional authority? Uh, So I, I would criticize Bob Myers more for what's happened, except that I'm not sure who had like the most active hand in shaping this roster. But I do think that's the place where like the frustration is most valid. Kerr, I don't know if, I I don't know how many coaches around the league would be upgrades. Like I I look at like Spo, if you can get Spo in Golden State, that's amazing. But like, I I think otherwise getting rid of Kerr like doesn't make that much sense to me because a lot of what he does is like pretty elemental to what makes the Warriors unique and and why I enjoy watching Warriors games every night. To me, it's hard to separate Kerr from the roster decisions just because it's fairly well documented. He has a hand and a lot of influence over who Bob Myers signs. Yeah. Um, And I agree with you. If we're just talking coaching on the floor outside of Spo and, you know, pop. (laughs) Right. What are you, what you're really going to do to upgrade him? Right. Like he's, he's still one of the best coaches and like uniquely a great coach for Stefan Draymond, which really should be the goal here. Um, but when and you he's get not it, perfect also, like he right. does make a couple, like he's, he's stubborn in a couple really obvious ways. So I understand why people get annoyed. But when I step back and think about like, cause I really care about like what the next four or five years of Steph's career are going to look like. And I don't know that like pivoting to someone to like a Ty Lue level coach would really unlock something that much better than what Kerr is bringing to the table. Yeah. Bring back, bring back Mark Jackson. Um, I, I, I think <laughs> bring back Luke, bring back. Uh, well, actually, no, um, <laughs> he would love, he would love playing Looney and Wiseman together. Luke will just run Kerr sure. system without telling Steph. No, in other um, words, Steph will get subbed in when we want him subbed in. Uh, actually that's not not a bad idea <laughs> i think i think uh some of the larger issues is not i think the fire steve stuff is, is kind of a joke um as in like well one it's not gonna happen it's just like frustration i think what's more concerning is that um i think people and my, maybe me is that they feel like like steve puts all these things together that are amazing the problem may be that if you are maximizing the next three to five years of steph's career you can't kind of slow play the way that he has before you can, when you have Steph in his Steph clay and Draymond in his prime, right. And Draymond's kind of washed now, um, especially on offense, but you can't do that now that you don't have KD and you kind of got to pray that, you know, Andrew Wiggins is the guy. Like I kind of feel bad for Andrew Wiggins, like watching some of it last night, like he's kind of the second best shot creator on the team and he has to go up against like KD and you're just like, Oh, he doesn't look like he wants to be <laughs> out there. You kind of feel bad for him. And then they go ahead and, and, and on top of that, they draft James Wiseman um, who's, you know, I like, um, and Stan likes, and I'm willing to give him time, 
but like he's not someone that's going to lead you anywhere in the next two three years right um and, and they just, passed on the one rookie who looks like he might be closer to contributing maybe even if it's not as are we a, doing that now <laughs> i'm just i mean I, I feel like it's all intertwined like the that's a steve bob uh why wiseman oh, it's everyone wiseman over lamello you're lying if you don't think steve had input on that you're mm-hmm. also lying if yep. you think it was a specific steve decision i have no doubt that like the majority of the voices in that room felt more comfortable with yes. Wiseman than LaMelo. Yes. yes. Well, and can I ask you, because I wonder whether they would have approached the process differently if Clay had blown out his Achilles. A week, a week earlier. Yeah. Or a month earlier, because like, I, I, I'm not a guy who ever supports teams in the top five drafting based on fit, but the Warriors may be a little bit of an exception where if you look at like, the two guys and say both of them are equal neither prospect is perfect and both sort of represents a gamble here let's take the guy who we think will fit with this core and let's go chase the title that makes a little bit of sense to me and I also don't know that Lamelo is like a surefire like 10-year all-star either no so wait, wait hold on. if so I knew Lamelo would look like this you know but I didn't think he'd look like this so well yeah wait hold on so they wouldn't, I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have drafted Lamelo. you know, that they had known a week before. I think they were stuck on, not stuck on this. I don't even think it's a bad pick. I think it's fine. Like he might be, Wiseman might end up really good. I think they just, they wanted him. They would have played the long game anyway. Their, their third light years thing is like, they're going to be correct during the long run, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess you mentioned with Lamelo that you're not sure if he's a 10-year all-star. I know Gulliver had mentioned some of that as well. Are you saying that you don't think of it right now? With what you've seen so far, you're still kind of uncertain? Or are you saying that's not what you thought before the draft? Um, it's definitely not what I thought before the draft. I defensively, like he's not very good and his shooting is going to be so important because he's not a great athlete. And so the shooting has been pretty good for like two weeks. Right. And the way NBA Twitter works now. Yep. That's all you need to see on Twitter. Five good games. And then it's like, well, the Warriors should really be regretting their decision on Wiseman. And it's, and it's just like, you look at the way young guys evolve and it takes three or four years before we have like a good idea right. of what guys are going to be. And so LaMelo, like you can go back to Lonzo's rookie season and it's not fair to compare LaMelo and Lonzo all the Just time. Just different players. Yeah. But like Lonzo would have a couple weeks where he would shoot the ball well and you'd be like, whoa, like this yeah. is special. And so if LaMelo is going to shoot this well his entire career or even this entire season, then I will definitely change my opinion and he's going to be a fucking star and it will be frustrating to think about what could have been with him in Golden State. But I'm just like not there yet in terms of like making the leap to LaMelo is like the next You're basically thing. not 100% in on the shot yet. That's fair. Yes. I yeah. am in on the shot, which is why I've moved over there. But I do agree with you. My My trepidation with him before the draft was purely based on the, like – if he's going to shoot 27% from three, he's just a tall Ricky Rubio, you know? Totally. Well, but I, shooting 36% from three, completely different animal, you know? My, my rule with, like, prospects is if you're a big guy who can't defend, I'm not that interested. And if you're a point guard who can't shoot, I'm not that interested. And so if LaMelo can figure that out, then he's going to be really good, but I'll wait and see. Wise, Wiseman can't defend and, and ball can shoot. So we've got that. We've got that going on. Uh, you, you mentioned this though. Rookies take three or four years to, to, uh, to develop. And um, that's why Warriors Twitter is on this new thing. Actually, it's not a new thing, Sam. We've been debating this for the past eight months. Bradley Beal. 
Um, yeah. And that's that's the current superstar. Is he a superstar? Superstar. That no one wants- more qualified to talk Beal. That's why we have Andrew. That's why Sam. I, I see the vision here, and yeah. uh, it is becoming now. It's it's nonstop, sharp. It's every day. It's every hour of every day <laughs> that the Warriors are asking, should we trade James Wiseman, Minnesota pick, and a couple future firsts for Bradley Beal? And so I ask you, should the Warriors do that? And then would the Wizards even think about that? That's a great question. I, the Wizards uh, talk about opaque management. I don't know who exactly <laughs> is making the decisions. I personally, if opaque I were running word the Wizards, uh, I, I would, I would accept that. Uh, I you would definitely... Yeah, and I remember tweeting that offer at Sam like a month or two ago, and some of your minions hopped in the mentions Classic. and were like, yeah, good luck. Never, There's never no way we're me. giving up Wiseman. <laughs> um, but it was – so here's the deal. I would definitely take Wiseman. And I, if I were the Warriors, I would think about giving up Wiseman because I think Draymond has shown that he's still really valuable as a creator, and he's been really solid on defense. But he's just like the offense just isn't coming back at all. And yeah. and so I don't like the idea of playing Draymond and Wiseman together. And I don't know what you can get for Draymond. Like if you're trying to move off him now, I, I mean you could trade him for like Anthony Simons and Harry Giles from the Blazers, but like Call I don't know. Back. Yeah, I like, sent his ass to LA. Yeah, get, get maybe back. Yeah. Maybe. I but it, absent absent like a good Draymond deal moving Wiseman isn't the craziest thing in the world to me because I do think the Warriors if Clay comes back close to what he was a year and a half ago they can like really go for something real um and Beal is good man I mean hasn't played defense in like three seasons now and it's getting pretty no one has the version of basketball that Beal is playing is like a carnival act essentially but I think he would fit well he would score within the offense in Golden State, and uh, and it's. I would rather invest thirty five million dollars in a wing like Bradley Beal than a so so like I think Wiseman projects as like a DeAndre Ayton level guy, and and not necessarily something more special than that. So long term, I, I understand passing on that investment. And I think this brings up the fundamental thing i think this warriors front office is more like the boston celtics than the los angeles lakers i do i they love to paint themselves as ultra aggressive but i don't think they're willing to make trades unless they feel like they win big (laughs) and what i'm getting at here is they might overvalue the wolves pick and wiseman relative to what the rest of the league thinks of them and You know, similar to the Celtics with Tatum and Jalen Brown. By the way, right move probably for the Celtics to do that. But like, do we not forget? Do we not remember like four years of the Celtics really want this guy, but they're not willing to give up their best prospect? Just did that with Miles Turner, Sam. Yeah, they just they just yeah. that back. I think that's kind of where we're going with the Warriors. There seems to be a lot of let's develop Wiseman, let's develop the Wolves pick and extend Steph, Clay, and Draymond's prime and try to do this Spurs thing. And I just don't know that that's possible. I think that's very pie in the sky. Yeah, well, I definitely, you can tell Lakov wants to dominate for like 
25 years. And so the idea of like getting a couple other young pieces mm-hmm. of four is like really appealing to him. He's got the right. chase center and he's just like, we're going to be like the new Lakers. Um, and unfortunately I, I watch Wiseman. There are nights when he looks really, really special, but a lot of nights you're like, okay, he's, he's got a ways to go. And I'm not sure if he's ever going to be like an AD level guy or something. Um, and so I just wouldn't value him the way the Celtics have valued Jalen and Jason Tatum, because I do think they were right. Um, but even that was a gamble. And I think holding on to Wiseman is an even bigger gamble. And the other thing we know about Warriors management, um, and this has been true since this regime takes uh, took over, they really value length specifically as a skill. Like they think they can coach players up, but they you know, don't think they can make him bigger and more athletic. Um, I think that also plays into Wiseman. I mean, viewing him as a ball of clay that they can mold, uh, his physical gifts are like top 1% of 1%, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, it's ironic because Steph Curry literally is the reason everyone plays small and plays, you know, wide and everything. But outside of Steph, I do feel like they over-prioritize length and kind of basically everything other than shooting um, relative to the rest of the league. Like they would rather get Igudalas and try to develop a Wiseman than a Bradley Beal. I, I truly believe I actually, that. I actually think it's even, I actually think it's worse. I think they want, I think they want to get people that actually are quote unquote coachable and are quote unquote, like smart players rather than people that are skilled. Like I have no idea why Jordan Poole and Jacob Evans were valued by this team, right? Outside of, you know, they seem like nice guys <laughs> <laughs> and, and they seem like they'll listen to you if you yell at them. It's like, what, what the fuck? Like just well, get a guy that can shoot. I mean, I experienced that during the 2019 finals where you looked at some of the guys who were out there playing in the NBA finals and they were like G League level talents. And that's where I totally get fans being like really frustrated with the state of the front office and what they have done over the last three or four years, because you did have KD, Steph, Clay and Draymond like set in stone. And so really the only job was to use that like mm-hmm. seventh through 15th spot on the roster, those spots yeah. and develop guys and find guys who are going to help you for 15 or 20 minutes a game and like useful role players. And they just like struck out like for four or five years straight. And that's pretty shocking. And like, even someone like Wanamaker, he had a nice honeymoon for like uh, 10 days at the start of the season. And now he's like pretty much useless. So I understand being like, look, like at some point, the front office has to move the needle a little bit if we're going to trust like the vision here. And uh, and they just haven't really done that lately. And this is why I focus on the brain trust, because everyone wants to point to the GM. Rightfully so. But when you have an over-involved owner, you have his sons in the front office, God knows what kind of uh politics and dynamics that creates you know like you're foolish if you think certain scouts aren't willing to back opinions they might disagree with because of who says it Mm -hmm. cough smiling each um and then we know steve kerr has a considerable amount of influence because he's 
a, just the closest thing to Phil Jackson be like, he's earned it. He has, you know, he five straight finals, three rings, a coach like that's going to get a lot of say. And particularly when you look at the, they never really replaced Jerry West. They never really replaced Travis Schlenk. I mean, power vacuums exist and Kerr's gonna kind of take some of that when it comes to player evaluation. Right. So I think it's, it's hard to separate anyone in that, but it's like, you kind of have to look at the whole brain trust as one and the decisions they've made largely outside of the core have been subpar. You know, Jordan Poole is on an NBA contract and in the G league bubble, Alan smiling each same thing. Those are two roster spots wasted. What um, Jacob Evans, who they took in the first round is out of the league in year three. Um, Damian Jones is only in the league <laughs> because he's seven feet tall and doesn't trip when he runs, you know, like yeah. we can keep going down the list. Oh, it's odd. No one's, no one's saying you should be finding stars at 29. I'm just trying to find players who find a second contract. To be honest. I, 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 first of all, I love that Sam could just recite each, each of these decisions from memory. And the other one that like several times throughout the season, I will sign on Twitter at like 1145 East coast time. I'll be in bed, just like winding down my night. And Sam will be tweeting about the warriors passing on Keldon Johnson. And that's I my get guy. it. <laughs> I get it because Keldon Johnson would be awesome. And that's the type of guy that they should have been going for where there's like real upside there. It felt like that the warriors were content to settle for prospects who even the day they were drafted, yes. it, was, it would yes. never be better than like a ninth man. And that's not what smart teams do. That's not how smart teams use draft picks. So the light years philosophy has sort of gone out the door recently. They have one guy in the analytics department and they just, they yeah. literally, it was documented that they just picked up like a new developmental staff, like at the beginning of the last season. And I think the excuse is like, you know, they've had a great team and great teams and they've had great players. So they haven't had focus on that. It's like, dude, you can't focus on multiple things at once. Is it not freaking possible to, to focus on two, three, four, five different things at once? Like, wh why are you, what are you getting paid to do? The resources were put into once they signed KD, it was all about like maintaining what is quite frankly, the probably the best starting lineup you're ever going to see in NBA history. Right. Um, yeah. Good times. Good times. But we're seeing the effects of not doing well on the margins and kind of keeping that pipeline coming up, you know, um, outside of Pat McCaw, who also, I don't know what's going on with him. Um, th that might've been the last interesting player they drafted between, um, 2017 and obviously James Wiseman, NG, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, you know, we can get back to the Nets game. Uh, obviously the Nets have three superstars. The Warriors have one, but I mean, you look at who the Warriors are playing. Damian Lee, G League guy who found a role. Michael Mulder, G League guy who found a role, but I don't know if he would play on other teams. Juan um, Toscano Anderson. Juan Toscano Anderson, everyone's favorite feel good story, but like, come on, you know, like these are kind of key players. Like everyone's kind of mad at Kelly Oubre for not being clay thompson but like the the real issue here is like you're asking kelly Oubre to be something he's never shown any ability to be right yeah and it's yeah, well, like this is the roster we're kind of dealing with or just like it's there's just such a dearth of talent and the, the nets also are are sort of an interesting parallel because they had a bunch of guys who were a little bit better than their reputation and they a bunch of like blog boy favorites 
but that ended up paying off. And that was like a really useful thing to, to do for a couple of years where they just stockpiled guys who had a little bit of trade value. And then they were able to sort of cash all those guys in, but even like a Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown is never going to set the world on fire, but they got him for like a nothing first round pick, I think. Um, and, and he's going to be like a capable rotation guy for them. And Bruce Brown would be a massive upgrade over like Brad Wanamaker and some of the guys who are playing real minutes in golden state. And I think this is the other reason the warriors won't make a trade, which is also very Celticsy. Um, they messed up literally every pick outside of the number two pick. Um, so now every trade starts with, we want the wolves pick and Wiseman. When if they had, if they did better with uh, the 28th pick, if they had a Keldon Johnson, a Gary Trent, no one's saying those guys have more value than a, you know, a Wolves pick or something, but you could maybe put a package together where you're not selling both your high upside assets. Totally. Um, and that's I mean, similar that- to like the Celtics with like, I, I mean, like, does anyone want semi Ojale or Romeo Lankford or like it, the funny thing about the Celtics is like, I don't know that they've hit on a pick outside of the top 10 period. So yeah, well, and and as a Wizards fan, I'm hanging up the phone if it's not Wiseman and the Wolves pick because there's just nothing else that's of interest in Golden State. And so that's a tough spot to be in. I, I will future, say future picks bet on like Steph getting old, you know, and yeah, being dumb. <laughs> I, look, I'll take a 2027 Warriors pick. I'll bet against the future of the light years philosophy. Um, it It is going to be interesting because I will have to like turn around after I'm explaining why the Warriors should give up on Wiseman. Um, I will then have to talk myself into Wiseman. Or classic. <laughs> be Cla- like, see that athleticism, see how fast he is down the y- floor. Giannis light. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. we've we've done all we've done the whole thing. I'll I'll keep doing it. I'll keep going on that. Why why hasn't Bradley Beal won it? Why didn't he said anything about, you know, get me out of here yet? what's what's it's so think- weird. I don't know. I think his family is happy here. And I think he enjoys like having the power within the organization that he currently has. But um, I I mean, he's in a a weird spot because like, I I think the wizards are naive enough to say, yeah, let's run it back one more year. If like, if he get, if we the margins and we're good. Yeah. yeah. And, and like the bottom line is if that happens and if Brad, if they make the playoffs next season and Brad wants to stay, I still don't want the Wizards to throw like $225 million at Bradley Beal and keep him and just be like in seventh place every season. But uh, I like never get a point, shot at a, yeah, just be in that um, treadmill of mediocrity in the middle there. Right? Totally, totally. And at this point, I have no idea what the Wizards are thinking. And I have no idea what Bradley Beal is thinking because I can't imagine playing these games night after night and being like, yeah, I want to be a DC long term. Like he's a Weird. great player in the sm- like smack in the middle of his prime. And uh, he deserves to be on a winning team or he should be on a winning team. Maybe, maybe he's like a, like a, a mellow or, or a dame or a, someone that doesn't really care about winning titles. He's just more of a, you know, I'm just going to stay where I am and make a lot of money and look cool to fans. Like fans are going to like him. Fans love Dame. And it's like, like fans love mellow. world champion on TikTok. Yeah. It's oh. like, <laughs> these guys are just social media giants, but it's like, you know, you don't think of them as winners uh, yeah. or as winners of championships. I should say like w- w- they win, but you know, maybe Bradley Beal is more like that. Maybe he's not like, hey, get me over to uh, 
Maybe he's not like get me over to Dallas or get me over to Golden State. Maybe he's not like that. Though that might not bode well for if if you want Kate Cunningham. But well, and, and I do think he's a really good dude in the same way that Steph is a really good dude and doesn't really want to play these like superstar chess move games and just mm-hmm. wants to show up and like fulfill his responsibilities. And so I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. I I just That's fair. There is also a point where you're like, okay, like I, I mean. I, I'm a Bradley Beal fan and I don't like watching you take 30 shots a game and lose by 25 points like every other night. So hopefully something changes. There, I, I could, but... Because it seems contradictory when he's out here. He's like, he looks all pissed off when he's shooting 30 times and he's like mad they're losing. But then on the other hand, it's like, isn't that going anywhere? Isn't, so that, is that, being an, sure? isn't that being an athlete though, on some level, like there's, you have to be a little irrational. Like, do you think Bradley Beal thinks his prime <laughs> is ending anytime soon? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, no. he's 20, he's I mean, 27. Steph doesn't think that either. <laughs> I mean, yes, Steph's out here he's saying, I think I have yeah. another five years of my prime left. I'm like, dude, it's your 33rd birthday. I believe it. I believe weeks. it. I want to believe <laughs> it. I want to believe it. We all want to, we all want to <laughs> believe it. But like, isn't that part of like the whole like mental makeup of an athlete? Like literally you don't get to this level without like basically telling people no, you know, and totally. like proving them no. So I do think, I, I think that's also a thing with Dame. Dame's always saying he's loyal to yeah. Portland and everything, but I feel like, he his exhaustion level there isn't what fans feel like dude this is we know how this is ending so can you just skip the the steps and get us there you know right yeah i mean it's speaking of all this superstar chess i i did think about as i was coming on the podcast like a potential pivot for you guys because you can't just talk about steve kerr's rotations all year and bob myers like I do think as the season unfolds, you may want to pivot to like emphasizing how little anyone cares about LeBron's Lakers and how oh, yes. the yeah. like 500 Warriors team that we have this season is still like more popular yep. and, and more enjoyable than a dominant Lakers team that's trying to go back to back. I think this that's a talking point sp- you should be hitting. This is a, this is a, there's an irony to him being in LA and to be honest, the market totally suits his personality. Like there, there is an iron, <laughs> there is an irony to like um, him being kind of in the born in the Midwest and playing there for most of his career. And like, meanwhile, like Kobe Bryant's in LA and like Hollywood, where it's like, he has a very like cold Midwest personality, the way he goes about his things, you know, mm-hmm. what about everything? And there's a real irony to him getting the perfect situation. Um, the market that suits his personality that eats up his corniness. <laughs> the, gone, perfect te- the perfect team like there is not a better number two for him than anthony davis personality and play wise right yep um he's finally got that like top-down structure he wants there's no more of these like you know Kyrie pulling against him or like the weirdness that was going on there like everything is in his way the way he wants it they may win three rings he may get to six and no one cares yeah. No one cares. This team <laughs> gets lower viewership True. than the 2003 Spurs, who are like the least watchable good team of all time. Like, it's, it's truly something that like crazy. I hope the league office is paying attention to because you have all the form, uh, all the like ingredients on paper that you should would add up to like yep. the most popular team in American sports, and yet people just don't care because all these guys were thrown together. 
And it just sort of feels a, a little bit manufactured and artificial. Whereas I actually like the, that Steph and Draymond are out on an island together, like trying to figure this out, trying to work it out every night. And, and I think that that's appealing to watch. And they're, these are guys who are like more familiar to me. And here's the thing that is really interesting with the Lakers. No one hates them. You're not yeah. like they don't like I grew up on the OO Lakers. Like that was my high school. There was no team I hated more than Shaq and Kobe. Like viscerally in my life, I don't think I've had more hate for a, a, a sports team than like the o, early OO Lakers and like the early OO Yankees. Like that's just, you know, it coincides with when I was like 18. It's, those yeah. are the teams I hated. Um, this team just, it evokes apathy. Like I don't even find interest it's, it's in a, trolling a, them, you know, like it's, it's like and with Cleveland, there was like legit love hate. Like you either love what they were doing or you hated <laughs> what they were doing. With the Warriors, there's legit love hate. You either there's love them hate. or you hate them. It, but the Lakers, it's like, I mean, it's 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 indifference. It's, yeah, it's two. It, to me, it's like two things. I think the way that they play is boring. Like that's one. Like I've watched a lot more games this season. That it's just they're boring. It's yeah. nonstop foul calls. Eighties. 80's great, but he's not that entertaining to watch. Um, and then LeBron's kind of like he is what he is, right? Like if it was Miami Heat, LeBron, like maybe. But it's like it, the, the the style is boring. I don't like they're a great defensive team, and on offense yeah. they're kind of just like a they just run it down your like they're just a run it down your throat kind of team. And then on top of that, I think and this is the problem with the NBA now is that you can't have villains. You're not allowed to hate people. So mm-hmm. like 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 you brought this up sharp on on a few a few times with the Brooklyn with the Brooklyn Nets where those they're too sensitive to be villains like you yeah. think you, you think if Harden Kyrie and KD are gonna if they're gonna get it like quote unquote attacked by media all they're gonna do is whine and so never nobody and the media is never gonna be able to play particularly that particularly Kyrie Harden yeah. Harden's at least willing to be the, I mean Harden's <laughs> in many ways hilarious he'll just like roll his eyes and do something goofy but, they, but like the, the Lakers I think the same thing yeah. yeah yeah well I just think the Lakers same thing it's just like they, they LeBron doesn't want to be a villain and then AD he's kind of just LeBron's lackey right he just kind of does whatever LeBron wants and so it's like <laughs> so it's just it's just they they don't want to be the villain they're not entertaining to watch so there's really not much there um, unless you're kind of like a diehard and you're just like, they play great defense and uh, they're <laughs> great I don't even fouls. Think, I, I don't even think they draw the Laker fans. Like if you look at yeah, it, like you know, they, they get the online Laker fans. And like anytime you have an online fan base, that's the, the 1% of 1%, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but like, are they really draw? Like, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. every, you know, no one loves to do the ratings thing. But like it tells you something when like the when like the Dodgers had way more viewers than the Lakers when they were both in the finals two weeks apart. Just lets you know, like even locally, I don't know. Like it's not like I I just don't know that they resonate. I think it's one of those things where people are like, yeah, the Lakers are good, but they don't actually watch the game. Well, and I also think it tells you something about what fans actually care about and what actually draws people to teams and like stories in sports. Right. And that's something that the NBA has sort of lost sight of over the last 10 years. And I think is going to have to rediscover over the next 10 years. Like the biggest challenge for the league over the next decade is going to be sort of striking a balance with player empowerment and recognizing that fans actually like to watch teams grow over several years. And like just totally upending the landscape every two or three seasons is not necessarily healthy for the sport. And it's in everyone's best interest, including the stars 
to come to a, a bit of a more stable place going forward. And the Lakers are like exhibit A of that. And I, I just want to add, AD is a boring player. He's in the middle of a boring career. And <laughs> I just like, whatever. And LeBron is great. LeBron is amazing. But like, I don't love watching him just drive and kick every single possession. Like, I hate that type of offense. It's why I don't love watching Luka sometimes, because it's just like, Harden, Luca, Luca, and Trey are both unwatchable. It's like I, and so it's not to take anything away from them. They're a really good team, but I get why other people who don't, who aren't as addicted to the sport as like people like us, will look up and be like, "Yeah, I just don't really give a shit. It's fine." It's it's post like postseason LeBron. I think it's fantastic. Like postseason, like I watch every single game, but it's you. You also regular season matters, right? Like the regular season matters. They were trying to get fans outside of of us. To, to watch yeah. the game and and those guys I think I think you brought up Luca's a great one I call him white James Harden because it's just he just he plays the same way and he's it's you're too good to play like that man you're too young I should say you're too young and you're too good to start building these habits to play like this because it's just I can't watch it I, I yeah. can't it's 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 too much and that's why yeah. I like the Warriors because there's actually like back cuts Steph is flying around off the ball and I get it looks more like the basketball that I actually want to watch every night I I, like the heat or another team where there's just like a bunch of creative shit going on it's improvisational part of we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The beauty of basketball is improv, improv, you know, like you don't know what's going to happen. And I don't, I know exactly what's going to happen in a Dallas Mavericks game. I don't need (laughs) to watch it. Some games, the shots go down. Some games they don't, but like, there's nothing I see there that it differs game to game. Maybe one game he, you know, Luca does something cool with a dribble, but that's one play. It's so boring. It is boring. And when Luca's jumper is falling, he's going to have like 45 points and look unbelievable. And it's going to be a lot of fun, but I would say like 60 or 70% of the time, he's going to shoot like 30% from three. And you're going to be like, all right, like this option isn't working. So like, let's mix it up a little bit and, and add some variety and make this a little bit more fun. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded the best golfers sometimes three pot with the tournament on the line so if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes it's perfectly okay but if it's bothering you there are options go to roman 
roman.com slash light years now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash lightyears and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash lightyears and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash lightyears. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. I want to get back to your player empowerment point. I've actually made amends with player movement to a degree. What I don't have amends with, and I think this is the bigger issue, you can't have it both ways. You can't have players getting the freedom to leave teams and do whatever they want every two to three years and then also tell fans they need to shut up and enjoy it. Like yeah. the, the entire discourse around the NBA feels dishonest because it is dishonest because it's a lot of telling fans they can't have emotions or opinions. Um, you know, no one was, I guess we had the Super Bowl, you know, a week or so ago and Tom Brady literally pulled a LeBron, right? Like, isn't mm-hmm. that what he did? He's like, I can't win in New England. This team in Florida is, you know, looks really good. He was validated in what he did. I don't really recall the the conversation, you know, telling Patriots fans that they needed to be okay with it or anything like that. You know, like I don't recall. I also don't recall him not, you know, like people telling fans they couldn't criticize the Bucks when they looked like they were in a free fall in the middle of the season. Like the, the Tampa Bay team at one point was seven and five and looked awful. And everyone was criticizing the hell out of Brady and like, why would you leave New England? Why would you do this? And that sort of stuff. In the NBA, I don't even know that you can have that conversation because you have someone coming in telling you you're, you know, how dare you, you know, think you can can control these players and you should have an opinion. It's their career. Like, well, if it's their career, then what are we doing here? Why are we even watching it? Why are we even, yeah. I I might as well just go and watch, you know, sharp, right TPS reports at his day job every day. Right. Well, (laughs) and it's difficult because what I would say is that I don't want to tell superstars they can't leave. And, and it, and it is a really hard problem to solve. I think one of the ways you solve it is you allow the home team to sign their incumbent stars and a portion of it is uncapped. So the team then has more freedom to add talent around them. Uh, because a lot of times guys leave for competitive reasons because it's so expensive to keep stars that then the, the team is sort of handicapped as they're trying to compete for a title. And so there are structural issues of like the, the bargaining side of it that the NBA needs to work out. My thing is, I think the league sees the superstar movement as like a good thing for the sport and something that like, increases interest because it does increase off-season interest and it's now like a a 10 or 11 month conversation but like long term you're you're chipping away at like what makes people actually care about these guys and I don't know if Brady had been on like four teams throughout his career I don't know if people would have 
such a like passionate relationship with him. Um, so yeah, it, it's like LeBron has made it work for him, but there are now like six or seven guys around the league who are like living that same story. And that's not great. And that that's where I think the league has an issue that they need to at least attempt to solve. I don't even know how you solve that. That's the problem. Like, I don't yeah. even know how you have, like, to, I don't... you have to have an uncomfortable conversation that will get titter, Twitter backlash. That's literally what it comes well, down Adam to. Adam like, Silver yeah, is not going to allow that. Everyone's that. like, everyone's afraid of saying something that's unpopular. Well, and it, it also, but not, it's not even it... unpopular, Sam. It's only unpopular Twitter, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's like not even unpopular, but also owners will talk out of both sides of their mouth on this stuff because they will be like, absolutely. We, we do not want players moving around and you, and these small market franchises are at a tremendous disadvantage. But then if you propose a rule that allows you to keep someone like Giannis, but also gives the Bucks $30 million more in cap space that they have to spend and makes the roster more expensive to make them more competitive. A lot of owners around the league are going to be like, well, no, we don't want to have to spend more money on top of paying Giannis $200 million. And it's like, well, if that's the case, then like if, if everybody's going to be on equal footing, then guys are going to leave. And like, that's the way it goes. So I think owners tend to be a little cheap on some of this stuff. And that's I, I agree. And, and, and like, I'm over here sitting there like, Giannis should probably leave. Like, that's a team that was not you. Like, they kind of messed up the last few years. Like, and he just kind of lets them off the hook and signs of, and, and another, so that's like the balance. Another yeah. team, by the way, who's methodical and boring to watch. <laughs> I know. Well, they're getting a little bit better, though. They've added a little bit more Giannis pick and roll. And Giannis is so much better as the guy rolling to the rim. Right guy getting the ball at like the top of the three-point line Talking. didn't see like, that coming you know, figure this out <laughs> so yeah i had no idea that was a it's was terrible a but I, I i think that the bucks may be less hopeless when we get to like may and june it's it but and they're and they're a team though like it, it's sad because you're gonna watch a mishmash nets team i think take them out and, and it'll just be it'll just be kd out playing Giannis and and they just don't have enough shooting and they give up too much shooting Right. And it's just like, what are we doing here? Giannis is Giannis is doing the stuff, right? He's playing 32 minutes a game, you know, for some reason, um, because, yeah. because their coach is like, we're going to save him. We got to save him for the, you know, at least they're getting, at finals. least they're getting wins. It's more yeah, infuriating true. when yeah, uh, Bud was doing that in the playoffs versus Miami. <laughs> well, I was like, and, I, I didn't really understand that. <laughs> one thing that's working for the Bucks this year is that the Bucks have like six guys who are even going to be playable in playoff games. So I think Giannis is going to have to play 45 minutes a game by default, which is a win if you're a Bucks fan. So shout out to Ben Thompson, wherever he is. Nice. <laughs> what up, Ben? Um, Let's do one last topic before we get out of here, okay? Okay. There's been some talk about the MVP and where Steph Curry fits into that. Andrew Sharp, as a traditionalist when it comes to the MVP, <laughs> where do you come down on Steph's validity as an MVP candidate considering they are an eight seed and most likely going to finish between six and eight? Um. It's a good question. I mean, this is another one where like me being a lawyer and not really paying attention until until like I get home from work and open Twitter and then see what people are talking about. I have found myself over the last two weeks checking like NBA Twitter and being like, what the fuck is going on here? Why are people (laughs) talking about MVP? There's like five months left in the season. Uh, So with that caveat, I will say 
if Steph is able to get this team to like sixth place in the West, I would say he deserves real MVP consideration. I don't think it, it, if it's Steph versus like Embiid's Sixers and LeBron's Lakers and the Sixers and Lakers each have like 15 or 20 more wins than the Warriors and are in first or second place. Like, I do think that should be a tiebreaker. I think winning as a team should matter in yeah. some of this. And um, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I care as far as Steph is concerned about him getting another MVP nod. I just want him to get another title somewhere over the next three years, because I think that's going to be important historically. I'm, I'm with love you. The game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> love, love the game. I, I'm, I'm with you there. It's just like, I, I don't think there's any way that he, and I like don't care if he wins or if he doesn't win. Yeah. Um, although like the number, like him being out of the top seven or top 10 right now is pretty ridiculous, but it's like, wait, I mean, is he these, aren't, the these aren't like, I, I love how people like think of these as like BCS official. Power yeah. <laughs> official power. <laughs> uh, wow. The BCS. Like, I haven't for, I forgot about that. Well, <laughs> it's so weird though. I'm like, why are we talking well, about this right now? Maybe it's because people don't have like trade rumors to talk about. So they're trying to like gin up the viral engagement with MVP. You don't like the central hoop NBA three, six, three, six. I mean, it's gotta... totally, it's totally that because MVP is like the new, who are the top five players in the NBA. Yeah. It's insane. And I'm yeah. like, look, MB deserves consideration. Do I think Embiid is going to stay healthy for the he's rest not, of the He's not. Yeah. No. Yeah, so like, no chance. I'm not going to like stand out for him as an MVP candidate it right now because like well, we'll cross that bridge if he's still healthy three months from now i i, I also i right, sam did you want to go? i was gonna say, i was gonna say here's the more important question this curry or unanimous mvp curry <laughs> who's better uh i mean unanimous mvp curry is like probably my favorite player i've ever watched and this curry is very close like he's really really good and so smart about picking his spots and his life is also pretty miserable on a nightly basis. (laughs) Like guys are just harassing him and keying on him wherever he goes. Um, But uh, nothing will touch like the first three months of that warrior season, as far as like my basketball enjoyment. And, and I do not like watching Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre. So is that the, is that the most fun team of your lifetime? The 15, 16 warriors, like the most um, drawn to uh, your non-local team, you know, yes, you've ever been, or you're like, I need to see what they're doing tonight. Honestly, what happened there. Uh, so I was working at Grantland and I was not like a huge warriors guy in 15, 16. And um, I, I like respected them, but didn't really review. You mean them. 14, 15. Uh, yeah. They, they, their first title season. I was like, not totally bought in. And then Grantland was shuttered by ESPN. And I had like two or three months before I went to start at Sports Illustrated. I had just started law school. So I was kind of like looking around and I, I was going to classes at night. And I was just like, wow, this is a weird time in life. And then um, I discovered like the Warriors and just like watched every single game of Steph and that 73 win team for the first couple months of the season while I was waiting to start at SI. And holy shit, that was fun. And I just like that became my like portal to the league during that weird in-between time. And uh, I've never had more fun. Just the way they moved the ball and like the the energy night to night. And they were playing close games and yep. winning close games. And it was just awesome. That That's a team to, to tie it all back to earlier. That's a team that still gets talked about, still hated, still loved. 
Like yeah. that's one of those teams, like the NBA, like that's like once in a lifetime where and you have a team that just, yeah, it's night. It was appointment viewing 4 PM, 7 PM, 10 PM, like at all times. And people <laughs> hated them and loved them and still and then, do. The, one of the things that was crazy is like Steph was really good during that first title run. But I do believe that like winning a title gives guys another level of confidence. Like it happened with Fred Van Vliet in Toronto. Like he's turned into a to- totally different yeah. player. Steph came back and that extra 15 to 20% of confidence was just, it turned him into like the most ridiculous player I've ever seen. I I think it probably peaked with that OKC game, but like the first four or five months of that season was just fucking nuts. And then he tore his knee. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting out out on that. uh, Appreciate you, Sharp. Yes, it's Thanks, good. Sean. Always good to catch up with you guys. I will uh, I'll be back for the uh, the Beal inevitable trade. Bradley Beal trade. Yes, sir. Perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. Yes, All right. absolutely. All right. All right. Talk Take- to you guys later. Appreciate you guys listening.